Welcome to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall. My goal is to improve Canada and employee experiences, as well as company cultures throughout U.S. employers. We do this by leading with empathy, diversity, inclusion, equality, teamwork, and transparency. Come on this journey with me. Welcome back to another episode of All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I am your host, Elisa Southall, as always, and I am here today with none other than Sam Morgan. Sam Morgan, tell us about yourself. Yo, Elisa, I am so excited to be here. I always have loved your energy every time we've met, so I am just so stoked to be here to share this space and the energy that's going to be happening in this magicnessosity here in this next hour. It's always hard, like, what? Tell me about yourself. It's like you know, speed dating on a podcast uh, for your your business. But I'm a, a coach who loves to help heart-centered, uh, lean leaders who are stuck and want to thrive and do it with daily coaching. And it's because I've had that experience myself, being stuck, wondering where I'm going to go, feeling like I wasn't getting the opportunities or couldn't move past my own lack of self-confidence. So my whole journey um, to this place of figuring out that these are my people, the people that I love to help, um, was personal, is personal. Um, and so I'm just excited to um, work my way through this journey and we're, we're on it right now. That's awesome. And, you know, what I love too about what you're doing, right? You know, if you go to your website, the first thing you see when you Google you is transforming people, which mm is such a powerful statement, but it's so true to what you're doing, right? And your company's name is Illuminate Coaching and Consulting and Illuminate just has its own feel to it. Um, and so I love what you're doing, especially as you mentioned in a lean environment. I've worked in lean manufacturing and it can be really challenging to understand how you inspire your people in a lean model, right? When they have to do more than maybe in a traditional scope of work. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't had the lean manufacturing experience, but I know I've 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 had conversations with lots of folks. I've worked with folks who've been in that space, so I know that. And then I like I've been coached by them. I've coached them, so I know that that heart centeredness can be a challenge sometimes. But I know there are so many of those type of people out there that really want to make an impact on people. One of the um, foundations of lean, um, you know, continuous improvement and respect for people. Those are the, since the beginning of the origins of lean, those are the kind of the two, um, I don't know, whatever you want to call them pillars of, of lean. And so I just feel like that respect for people piece often gets left behind too much. Cause we're like, let's improve the process. Let's make the process better. Look at all these fancy tools that we have, like you know, folks out there are familiar with them, um, you know, like finding waste, right? Um, or things like five whys or 83s. There's lots of different tools that people talk about. And then we forget about the people. I was at a conference a few, a couple of years ago, and one of the gentlemen was speaking about people, right? And, and a continuous improvement, he said, transforming or improving process is easy. Transforming people is hard or is the hard work. And I would also add to it, that's the good work. That's the meaningful work um, to do. So yeah, there's so much to unpack there. And I was kind of thinking of some like things that are inspiring me in quotes. And I've been on this kick lately and my kids groan at me for this. Um, I, I'm probably the last person on earth to like actually listen to this group on a repeat, but imagine dragons. Like I've heard their, like their big songs, of course. But they have a concert that's just up on, on Hulu. Not that I'm being paid to plug anything here, but like I started listening to it. I'm like, damn, there's some really good like messages and lyrics. And one of the songs talks about being a natural, having a beating um, heart of stone, right? And that it just comes naturally. And I think that so many times like in the space of like, engineering and these kinds of things, it can be kind of that way. People are just kind of like cold hearted. And also I know there are people out there that aren't that way that really want to make an impact on people. I mean, I've worked with them and I've seen the, the hurt, the challenges that they've had. 
and um, that they need that encouragement to go out there and make an impact on people um, that they're meant to do, right? We need more people. There's so many people out there that are hurting and suffering that um, I want to encourage and empower those people to go out and be their full person and their full self and make an impact and empower other people. So it's empowering people that have that impact and influence to empower others in their space. So it makes sense why you are also a partner of HR for you Inc with Chasen. Um, shout out to HR for you. But <laughs> yeah. It makes sense because, you know, that whole people first mindset you're talking about and, you know, empowering people to transform people and empowering people to empower people, right? Like that's the whole mindset of the people first that, that you want to get at as well as the rest of our partners. Yeah. I think we've all had that time in our life where we have experienced feeling lack of empowerment or having it taken away from us or feeling like it's being taken away and then being empowered. And I really feel like it's this tension that, um, that I'm ex I've been exploring with a, a friend of mine in, um, whose name is Andres. He and I shared at a conference and we were talking about building community, especially in this like lean space. And we were talking about how there's three elements that we see. Of course, I'm sure there's more, but it worked out like bravery, intentionality, and time. Like if you're wanting to build community, you got to be brave. Like you can't build connection without being vulnerable. And that takes bravery and it takes intentionality. It doesn't community and connection doesn't just happen randomly. Um, you know, if you're really trying to build something and then time, it doesn't just happen overnight, right? Like you can't build trust and connection and community just like, oh, overnight. And I think a lot of people in the lean and improvement space, they talk about having a culture of change, innovation, continuous improvement, whatever you want to put it. But they're like, oh, I want it overnight. Or um, I was just writing about this the other day on a post. People uh, don't um, buy in to it. You know, it's like it's all on them, right? <laughs> they don't get it. I've got it. They don't get it. And I think it's this tension in creating that community of, having what I think is trendy now, psychologically safe environments, which I think is great. We want to have that. Leaders need to be aware and do things to create those spaces so people can share. And also at the same time, you can create the safest, most inclusive, diverse, you know, culture. But if you don't have people who are stepping out of their comfort zone and sharing, hey, this is my idea. Here's my thought. You know that thing that we're doing over here? It kind of sucks for me right now in this process. If, that, if you have a culture that isn't that way, and then you're like, oh, we'll just change it, it'll happen. It's like, no, that's not going to happen. It takes the intentionality of both people, the leaders to create the culture where people can share. And then the people who are doing the work to be able to say, yeah, you know what, this is hard for me. And these are my ideas to make it better. And man, there's just, there's so, there's so much there. And that's why like me and my my friend Andres are, are setting up these like monthly conversations where people can come and just talk about these kinds of things, like the challenges with building community, especially in a continuous improvement space. Like, how can we do that? And I think this, this conversation of bravery and safety is, is right at the heart of it all. I couldn't agree with you more, right? And and as I mentioned, I've I've worked in lean men, you know, lean environments and I've, you know, the buzzword is continuous improvement, right? But my my biggest argument that I had was, you know, we're all about continuous improvement, but we're not we're not putting people first. And so what happens then is we get those scenarios like you're talking about, right? Leaders aren't bought into whatever is happening beneath them. Or you have employees who are bringing all these great ideas and you're like fantastic. We're not doing anything with those because we're looking at this project, right? And yep. it's like, you can't have continuous improvement without people first, cultures. It just, it's not, it doesn't work. <laughs> not sustainably, at least. I mean, I think you can, um, I've seen it where I was even part of a company where they, they work for five or six years to roll out a continuous improvement, um, you know, culture, a lean culture. And great people. I made so many good friends and good people that really cared about, that really cared about people. And also I think they were really focused on doing it perfectly, doing it the right way and getting the process correct that there might've been some of that left behind of that whole people element of like, 
empowering of people. They were so caught up in doing it the right way that they there wasn't space for people to just share. It just started to become what every continuous improvement person fears is like, it's a thing, extra task they have to do versus like, this is something that's a part of who we are. It's a part of the culture. It's what we live and breathe and how we move every day. It's not like an extra thing. Oh, we got to do our, our meeting today. It's like, no, I want to do it, right? I want to meet. I want to talk about my ideas. I want to say, hey, look at this. This this is a terrible problem over here. And I got this idea and people get like really super excited. Or, hey, you know, this this um, this metric we've been working on, it's in, it's in this area. We can we can see where the problem plane is now. Oh man, I'm getting excited about that. It's like no, people were just seeing it as a burden, and that's like the exact opposite of how you want it to do. You want want people to feel energized. And I recall at the very end of this process when they were bringing the kind of the lean um, whole lean system down in uh, in a formal way ish, and I recounted in all my interactions like. I didn't ever feel that electricity in the space between the people. And of course, there are little pockets here and there. But in a company where there's a few thousand people, it needs to be more than just pockets. It has to start. I mean, it starts with one person, right? It starts with pockets, but it never spread. It was never that energy in the people um, for it to sustain. So to your point, right, if we want it to sustain, if we want change to sustain, if we want to create this culture, it has to happen with the people. Sure, you can have a great process and that's important, right? We need to have intentionality and processes. And, and But if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen to the people, it's not, it's, it's not going to sustain. It's not going to, and, and that's what happened, sadly, like really it would. And hopefully there was a lot of learning and uh, things were taken away so that, you know, in the future, those kind of things can, there can be improvements made to it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think more to your point, right, is, you know, and this happened as well, where what we don't think about is that the, the people who are frontline, if you're using a product or you're using a service, whoever is implementing that product or service, whoever is on the front lines of that, they generally have those, you know, those continuous improvement ideas, because they're the ones that are working with it and saying, this sucks, or it's not working, or it's the best thing we've ever done, or we can make this better, right? Because they are in it every single day. And one of the things that I noticed when uh, the company I was working at, as I mentioned, you know, they were like, oh, leadership wants to do this. And they never brought in those frontline employees to say, that's great, but here's where the challenge, here's the challenges we're going to face. Here are the, the great things that we can do with that. And that's where that you know, people and continuous improvement need to lock because everybody needs to have a seat at the table to make sure that the continuous improvement is going forward correctly. I, yeah, I recall when I was first re getting into Lean at the beginning of my journey six, seven years ago, and I, I was in a Lean 101 class just learning about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my jam. I've always wanted to know how things work, why things worked and how to like get things moving better. And I've always loved helping people. So this is like perfect. Well, when I was jumping in and like trying to find all the information I could about um, continuous improvement lean, I read read this book called Two Second Lean by Paul Akers. And um, it was a great introduction to it because he has, you can watch his videos um, and because he puts basically he documents everything that he's done with his company. And he basically requires all of his people that work to come up with an idea every single day that's going to improve the process by two seconds. It's, when you think about it, it's ingenious because like two seconds isn't that much, but it's something. And if you do that times however many people times however many, um, you know, uh, days in the year that you're working, think of how much time and energy and money. And really it wasn't about the, the actual time and money. It was about creating that mindset in each individual person and the culture. And I, from the videos that I can see, the energy there is one that you would want to have if you want to have a kind of culture because the people feel like, oh yeah, you want to hear, not only do you want to, you're like making it like required that we actually come up with that, with that. So it's actually forcing me to start thinking in that way. And then you start getting excited about it. like, oh my gosh, look at what I figured out. Look at that. Check that out. You know, and people start like, get, there, there's so much energy going on in this space. And that um, comes from that feeling of empowerment that, that people feel like the leaders really want to hear from them. 
right? Because mm-hmm. they've set that as like, that's what the expectation is. Right. Um, and, and the pride in their work. I mean, yes. we all want to be proud of what we do. And that brings so much pride to the work that they're doing. Yeah, I, I found under an underlying message that is out there. And I had this conversation with a lean leader who is exploring jumping out and doing their own consulting work. And what they were saying was that they found that so many leaders approach people with the attitude of like, oh, well, why aren't they working hard? Why aren't they doing this? They just do this. They show up. They are so fresh in it. And when, when he's like, when he backed away, he, when he, when he kind of backed up the logic, what he said is the question we need to ask ourselves is what do we believe about the way we think people are showing up at work? Right. Do we really truly believe that they're showing up wanting to like make flush things down the shitter? Right. Like, no, of course not. None of us, like if I were to say, Elisa, you really, I mean, this is just showing me you really don't give a crap about your work. Like, no, that nobody, like nobody in their right mind would say, unless you're a freaking narcissist or like you have some mental issues, which, okay, that can happen. But like the vast majority of people are showing up at work. And they want to do their best. They want to give their best. And I think if leaders back up uh, from those frustrating comments and they look at the ideas and the logic and the mindset behind it, what they're really saying is, you don't give a shit about your work. And my question would be like, well, is that what you really believe? Really? You really believe that? Because if you believe that about them, then what does that say about you and other people? Or is it just a select few who give a crap? Like, and I just don't, I just don't buy that. I just don't buy it. And I think we need to like call that shit out and start saying, okay, we need to truly believe that people want to show up and are, want to do their best work and want to make things better. And I think when you come back from that and like you move forward and you're like, when you approach it with that, your conversations change, the way you interact with people change um, because you're like, oh, you want to make things better. Okay, well, what, what do you want to make better? What is bothering you? Paul Akers in his book always asks the question, fix what bugs you. Like, what bugs you? So if you're just asking, okay, what's bugging you today, right? Like if you're a leader and you're just asking them, that's a great question for you to just start off with. You don't have to come up with some fancy, you know, process or just start with that. You don't need any other fancy question other than like, what's what's going on? What's bugging you today, right? And yeah. I think that that's just a great place to start the conversation. And I 100% agree with you, right? I hear this all the time from companies who are like, people don't want to work. And I was like, I've never once talked to a job seeker who's like, I don't want to work ever again. Like, of course, we all we all want to work, but we want to do the things we like to do. And we want to work for good. Yes, want to work for good managers, right? And I'm like, yes, they maybe don't want to work for you, but they want to work. So rather than saying people don't want to work, Let's figure out what's hindering them from wanting to That's work. That's right. Working in the way that they want to work, right? And so to your point, I think what's bugging you is a good place to start because what's bugging them may not be the process. It may not be um, the company. It may be the, you know, something happened at home, right? There was something that happened in their personal life. Maybe they're, you know, they had an event that happened that was a national event that has an impact on them, right? We don't know what's causing this. And so what's bugging you? Maybe it's something personal, which then means you have to come back to that bravery and empathetic piece you were talking about and saying, let's be vulnerable right now. Let's have this conversation. Yeah. Uh, we need to be setting those spaces up. We need to be setting those spaces up. And um, that comes back to consistently doing it over time. Um, You can't um, expect people to show up in those spaces if you're like, okay, hey, here's a meeting where everybody's gonna like everybody share their challenges and frustrations. Okay, here's a here's an engagement survey. Right. Like, oh, we got the feedback. Okay. We know this is the thing we need to work. Oh, oh yeah. We, we realize we're not engaged. Here's a, here's a free Thanksgiving turkey. Right. Like, no, that's not like that. It, it looks different than that. I, the sentiment, the intention is, is, is good. Um, but the impact and the way that that impacts the people doing the work is not, I think, the majority of the time what they would want it to be. And if uh, I think the hard thing about that is it takes some real hard work looking inside yourself, looking inside the leadership group, looking inside the company's mission and purpose and really going, okay, 
what is it? And is it what we really want? Do we even know what it is? Um, yeah. So I think that there's there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And and I will I will emphasize your point. Most employees just want you to tell them thank you. They don't want food. Yes. They don't want, you know, they don't want you to throw food at them. They don't want you. I mean, yeah, those things are great. They want more money and they want more flexibility and they want more recognition. Like those are the three things that they're looking for. Yeah. And you have direct impact on those by asking what's bugging you. How can we how can we improve your job and the functions of your role? How can we improve the product? One of the things I love about what you're talking about, though, is that buzz from meetings, right? I think all yeah. of us look at meetings is like, oh, I have to go to another I meeting. I know, right? <laughs> like, that's the instant thing you get. Or like, this this meeting could have been an email, right? Like, that's the impression that you get because the, the meetings are very dry. There's an agenda. You go over the agenda. You're done, right? It's not like, let's have a meeting of the minds and like, let's invigorate ourselves to say like, yeah, what are we doing? What is Where are our wins? What can we improve right and those are where you get those people that are like i feel valued i feel heard i feel respected i feel pride in what i do yeah can we have more of those meetings please is not something you hear very often right <laughs> um and i think to your point is feeling appreciated is so undervalued like if you build relationship you get to know somebody you know what's important to them you know how to speak to their heart and what's important to them, then you can really share like, um, yeah, I mean, I remember I was at, I, I worked at, I worked at Target for like five years and I was a front end manager and we would all like part of our, our work was like having the cashiers ask for Target cards. I don't know if you've ever noticed that walking into Target, you get asked for a Target credit card, right? And so our job was to help drive that culture so that they would be asking um, on a regular basis. And of course, we'd have metrics that we were looking to hit. And, you know, the vast majority of people are getting paid minimum wage, right? They don't like selling, right? So how are you motivating people? Well, you get to, you get to know them, you get to know what's going on at home, their granddaughter's horse that is sick, you know, the, the, the game, the football team that they're, you know, following just lost the other night, you know, and when you start building that relationship, then things change and like, oh yeah, well, you you get to know their fears, their things that are excite them, so that you can speak to those things around, you know, the the daily kind of tasks. And I remember when I left um, that I was actually let go, and I'd been at that store for around five or six years, and I'd built so many relationships. I remember that as I was walking, because it wasn't expected. And somebody realized it was my last day and they were crying. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I actually made an impact in somebody's life. Like my presence here made an impact in their life. And I mean, like, isn't that what we want to know that we're not just taking up space that we're actually helping people feel seen and heard and valued? Because people don't react in that way if they don't feel valued, right? They don't value you if they don't feel valued by you. So yeah, I think that that's just how can we help people feel seen and heard and valued mm -hmm. um, on a regular basis? And it's in the little things, it's in the little conversations, um, you know, and doing that over time. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about bravery. And if you take those, those three bravery, um, intentionality and time as Bell's bit, which just means we do it a little bit it takes little bits, right, over time to do it. And I think that that's something as a leader, if you think about those things and you practice those, it's, it's hard to go wrong with that. And even using the words, thank you, right? I mean, that was basic. Yes. Like, my, I had employees that are like, if we could do another engagement survey for me to tell you, I just want you to say thank you and like recognize that what the work I do is important. Like, I'm like, well, that's easy. That costs us nothing. Literally costs us zero dollars. <laughs> Literally zero Hey, employee, thank you for your work. And here's how this contribution has impacted our business. And we greatly appreciate that. Like, that's not challenging. <laughs> well, but somehow it, it is, I think. And that's interesting. You bring that when I was just thinking of a podcast um, episode, another person that I really enjoy talking to, and they were talking about this very thing, right? Like appreciation um, in the workplace. 
and how it's so important to do it in the way you just you just modeled it perfectly. You say exactly what they did and the impact that it made, not just like, thanks, here's a here's a subway, right? Like, no, it's like, thank you for doing this. It meant a lot and it helped make a difference in this way. Right. And especially if you built up that relationship too, there it's going to come from a genuine place, not just like, oh, okay, I know this guy's just saying this because they have to, or it was something that we told them they needed to do, or we needed more of. It's like, no, we've been like in relationship for a year or two or five or 10 or 20. And you know that this is meaningful. Like I trust you. And so, yeah, I think that that's exactly it. Appreciation. Um, the ROI on appreciation is pretty damn high. Yeah. And and I will say, going back to your lean manufacturing and your continuous improvement model, right? When we have those meetings that invigorate us, again, having a seat at the table for everyone, because a lot yep. of times what happens is we don't, I don't understand how my role impacts sales. I don't understand how my role impacts customer service. I don't realize how my role impacts yes. you know, quality, right? Whatever it is, whatever departments you have around you, you don't yep. know how you, you get done your work and you send it to the next department, yeah. but then, but then what <laughs> happens with it? How does it, you know, does it, is there a problem that they're having that I can resolve before it even gets to them? Right. And so we're not sitting down and having conversations with all of the, the players at the table, right? We can't say, how can I make my process better so that you don't have to be in pain or that this doesn't have to bug you? Mm. Yeah, when you have those meetings, like you're saying, where you're talking about, uh, you know, for, for, I hate this word, a value stream, like a whole pro like a long process of like a product that's going from beginning to end, right? And you're talking to all the players in that, um, that process and you're like, well, where are the, where are the places where this is getting caught up? Right. And you get in those meetings and somebody like two steps before you shares that and someone's two steps down shares this. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize that this did this. Man, okay. Well, how can we, how can we change that? How can we make it better? Right. And versus like uh, a place where you're just pointing fingers, right? Like, well, if you just would fix your shit, then we'd be able to, you know, we'd be able to get the products out on time, which I have heard that like over and over, like I've been in, an op I was in an operation space and I can't tell you how many times in our lean huddles that we'd have people who'd be like, well, if, if sales would just not offer all of these products, then we would do everything better. Well, you know, if account management wouldn't tell the client that we could accommodate them in this, then man, we could do this all better. And not saying that those weren't like valid, like concerns, but it would always come back to pointing the finger versus like working together and collaborating. So like where they felt safe to say, hey, you know, this one thing down there, that's causing us a lot of pain. You know, there's something in the environment that creates that space versus like you said, contrasting it with more of a collaborative and teamwork. Not that it's not full of um, disagreement or tension or those sorts of things, but it's definitely a very different feel. And I think that that also goes to pride and work, right? One of the things that we talk about is retaining employees mm. and employees want to feel value in the work that we're doing as we've talked about. And so I'm a firm believer in cross-training, right? We don't need yes. one employee doing one role. Can this employee go and, and sit with somebody in the quality process and learn what they do? One, they're becoming a product, an, an expert in your product. Yes. They're, they're gaining so much or service, right? They're getting knowledge of all the areas. And that also improves how they can co create continuous improvement, how they can work together as a team, how they can collaborate. And it also can take you to so many new levels of innovation that you never thought mm. possible. But also they're getting to be able to cross functionally work, which means that they're learning new skills and abilities and can grow in a different way than they expected. That And that's what people want when they show up at work. They want to see their potential fulfilled, right? Like, and it's hard to be able to see that if you don't get those opportunities. I feel like we have this belief that people don't want to be challenged in their work. And when you do what you just talked about, where you give people the opportunity to try out other things and see, maybe they find, maybe they're a good fit. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is my passion. This is my lifelong thing. I've got to go over here and find six Sigma level quality over this side. You know, God knows who those people are. No, just kidding. Um, but Really, though, you give people the opportunity to find other things that they're passionate about and also support the thing. And maybe they also have an idea for how to make that process better. 
right? So you're really doing so many different things for the person and for the process by doing those things you just talked about, like giving them those cross-training opportunities in, in other spaces, right? And I think the problem becomes when we're so in such a, a, a mode of having to solve the problem right there, right? Right away. We're reactive. We don't have the, yeah, reactive versus proactive, right? Where you have, and that when you're in that space, it's hard for people to see time and space for those opportunities to come about. They're like, well, you know, we're already like 12 days behind on a five-day SLA. So we can't afford to bring somebody in to train. We've got like another thousand tickets sitting in our queue. How are we going to train this person when we're so far behind? So it, it's that domino effect down um, the line. So those opportunities can, uh, can really be a struggle to be made, made happening for people. And so I will tell you, one of the books that I read that I actually loved, and it was more about change management, but that also is part of the continuous improvement piece, is um, Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter. I don't know if you've <laughs> read it, but John Cotter is a leader in the change management and continuous improvement space. And um, it it's about penguins, right? And it sounds silly, but I read it in my master's program and it really was beneficial because it puts the whole change management in perspective of like, penguin habitat and if the penguins mm. don't move to the next iceberg because their iceberg is melting if they don't move to the next iceberg they're eventually not going to have a home right and so this one penguin has to go out and like he goes out and they they start to venture out and say oh there's bigger icebergs if we just move like move down and each time they move and his whole theme is that we cannot live still in stagnation mm. right life is a constant change like we're always in a change management process and life can't move forward with innovation without change and yeah it talks about naysayers and addresses all of that but it does it from this habitat of a penguin which i think is kind of unique to look at i'm gonna have to pick up that book and check it out because i i like when there's a reframe of very simple concepts that can really help you grasp onto it like and see it in a new way but also just drive home like yes that's right like we do operate in that environment that things are always changing and it reminds me of another book inspired by an animal called who moved my cheese i think it's i think that's i think that's another one it sounds similar in terms of like there's constant change right always going around and we have to be um and especially as what we might call, you know, the change makers or people that are um, initiating that, or that's like, I don't know, like you said, the the innovators or the early adopters or whatever. I don't know all the, the fancy schmancy terms, um, social, psychological, but it's those people that are early on that are in it. And there's people that are struggling with the the change and wanting to do that because it feels safer. Right. And I remember being in this conference just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, okay, this specific pattern of, of improvement and coaching that I practice. Okay. Now that we're all excited, we got amped up on it for like a week. Okay. Well now how do we take this into an organization and make that like something that people will, you know, you know, hold on to, right. Like, and we'll adopt this kind of mindset. And it's, it's more of like, you have to be um, has to be a pull versus like pushing it on people. So we were like, well, people don't get it. People don't get it. It's like, well, no, you start with the people who do, and then you allow it to happen, right? Yes, there's intention, right? And you have like, you start doing with intention with those people, and then it's going to catch on, right? If you're doing it um, with any modicum of like intention and practice, things are going to start catching. It's when you just do it with um, not openness, and it's just the process and you're just strictly held on to that. So yeah, I think that that idea of the penguins, I'm gonna have to check that book out. <laughs> you, you should, because that part of what you're talking about is getting to those um, interested parties or the people that buy in, right? Um, they, they talk about that heavily because they're like, get to those influencers quickly. Because what happens is, is then they talk about it, right? They yes. talk about it in the company in a way that is invigorating that energy we were talking about. You know, those managers that now know their employees can go and say, hey, we're doing this new thing. You guys should really, you know, we should talk about this and how it's going to make an impact. And all of a sudden the energy is like amped up to a hundred because they get it. And now they're just sharing it with their people who are looking at them saying, wow, look at how amped up they are. Like, this is going to be super fun. 
I remember when I first started my my journey and I got so excited about continuous improvement. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody has to hear about this. Why hasn't everybody heard about this? Um, we were starting to roll the, the lean kind of daily sort of huddles out to the whole company. Well, our area hadn't gotten it um, in operations. And I talked to my my manager and I was like, dude, I would love to do this. I don't know how we're supposed to do this because they hadn't given us the template for how to create a board. So I was like, can we just create one and we talk about waste? And you know, there's uh, people that are familiar with lean. There's the eight wastes that, can we just like write this up? And then every day we kind of go over one and then we look for waste in our thing. I was like, I don't know. I don't know that this is the way that that's like the formula we're supposed to do, but I just want to do something. And can we do it like every day for like 15 minutes? He's like, okay. Like that, like that was so cool, right? And I came to it and I was like, okay, everybody, we're going to do this. And it was like contagious to him because he saw the energy in me and he was the kind of leader that was like, okay, well, how can I empower you and make this happen? He's like, 15 minutes is 15 minutes. We all got 15 minutes in our day, you know, to get this moving forward, let's do it. And so he was even present for those meetings the vast majority of the time, which was great. So um, I think it's... Um, yeah, just those those little was the energy is what really really matters, right? For the sure. The fact that you could take waste and make it fun and exciting, right? I mean, you wouldn't have <laughs> never have thought that that was the case, right? <laughs> yes, yes, right. And it was fun. We had a great time. I had some great coworkers in that space who were all in that mindset. So that's kind of like, I definitely was helpful in that. And also, though, it was just something that I was really you know and en energized by and interested in, and so. We can think of all of those times in organizations we've been a part of where people like they were like energized by something. And so, yeah, how can we do that? Right. Like circling around to our conversation earlier about people and empowerment, the way that you can empower them is by finding out those things that have them energized and then putting them in spaces to be able to do more of that. Right. Or to explore more of those things. Right. And I think that that's just. Yeah, that's, that's, I know my experience when I got that, I felt so good that he was like open to that and gave me that opportunity to do that with our five or six person team that he was like, okay, guys, or hey, folks, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. Let's go every day, put it on your calendars. And, and we you were it. excited by it, which made your team excited. So that was the key. Yeah. And we took times like leading the huddles and every week somebody would do it differently and it was great until it finally kind of rolled out in a more formal way. And we just kind of had the momentum um, rolling already. So it was really exciting. And you got to just adapt current policy to like whatever they rolled out, which we gave you already a framework. So it was good. Yeah, and it set an example for the rest of kind of the operational area, um, right. bringing, that, bringing that energy. So, yeah. So I want to talk about your services, right? And I love how on your services page, it says providing everything you need to succeed which first of all, not only does it rhyme, which is like really cool for me, but <laughs> um, you <laughs> offer like three major service models and I'll let you speak to them all, but they're Illuminate You, Purpose 101 and Create and Collaborate. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about each of those and how, who you help and how you can help them and sort of just in case people are like, hey, how do I hire Sam? Yeah, so the, the frameworks that I work in are that Illuminate You is something that, I'm still like exploring that, but that's a daily coaching model. And people are like, daily coaching, what are you talking about? And it's, I get that a lot. But then when I break it down for them, they, it starts to become more clear that most people, especially in kind of the continuous improvement space, they, they are able to help other people like really well, but helping themselves is a challenge. And a lot of that comes down to being clear on where they want to go and then taking action steps. And so what this pattern teaches, um, and it's a specific pattern um, from a book called the Toyota Kata that has like a specific way of, of operating. But basically, you just get clear on where you're going to go very specific. Um, there's lots because there's kind of a framework we use, you understand where you're at now in relation to that, like, honestly, not like, Oh, I wish no, it's like, where are you at? Honestly, in relation to your goal, let's say you want to get a new continuous improvement director role, or you want to, you know, jump out on your own and start your own lean consultancy, whatever it is, but you're, um, you're going to be clear on where you're at in relation to that. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest. Then you're going to set not like a six-month goal. Yeah, that's, that's your first part. You're setting like a longer term. The next part after you understand where you're at is where do you want to be in a week or two in relation to that? Because if you start doing like the long-term piece, 
Um, the mistake a lot of people make is like, I've, oh, I've got this roadmap. I got this plan. Okay, well, what happens in two weeks when that app that you were going to develop, like that company goes under? Or they have a, a, a roadblock in being able to get the stuff to you. Well, now your plan's all the shit. So when you have it in those like little milestones, and then you're like, from here to here, there's going to be things that get in the way. So what are the, what are the steps, what are the experiments I can do to get from here to here? And then you can adjust as you go, because we know life doesn't happen on our, in our plan, right? And then once you get to that point, you reflect, and then you readjust, and then you move forward in those little couple-week increments. And so my goal through that is to really help people move forward towards their goals, where they want to get to in their journey, um, and also to change their mindset, to really believe that it's just an obstacle. This is just one step at a time and really change that mindset to be more confident. So that's that uh, framework and doing that over an extended period of time, you know, a couple, two, three months meeting every day for 30 minutes and you're walking away with an experiment you're going to do and an expectation. And then tomorrow you're coming back with, okay, what happened and what did you learn from that? And what are you going to do next? There's a lot of other pieces to it, but that's like the engine that drives it all. And so on that, I mean, I can see there being two sort of funders for that, right? It can either be the company who wants you to grow to this continuous improvement role, who is um, paying and, and cheerleading that experience on, right? And or somebody who's saying, I want to take this initiative for myself to hire Sam. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, right now, my main focus has been those folks who are like lean leaders, lean consultants who are looking to move forward. I hate the term level up, God. But like they're wanting to move forward in their journey, right? I feel like that's a little little more of my vibe, right? But they wanna move forward in their journey. They're stuck where they're at and they know they're meant to do more, that they're supposed to have an impact, but they just don't have the confidence. And they're like, God, if only I could. And those are the kind of people that I want to work with because they're at a point of frustration and they're ready to go right? They're ready to go. They're ready to really dig in and take those daily steps and make the commitment to the, the journey. And so those are the, those are the kind of people that I love working with in the model that I, that I use to do it. So that's the, that's the first, the first space. So purpose 101 sounds a little bit different, right? I mean, it's, it's still one-on-one coaching, but you're more like you're finding more of that purpose. Is that part of that illuminate you model or is it different? Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's all based on um, the needs of the person. I think for so long when I started this out, this was my vision. Okay, here's this 10-week program I'm going to do, and we'll follow it step by step. And then I quickly realized I was making it all about me and this wonderful process that everybody needed to have. And people were like, "Mm." like, I needed to listen to them and what people needed, like what was their pain points, what was their challenges and what's going to be the best way to help them. Cause I was so focused on having the perfect process out of fear. Like, well, if I don't show them that I know what I'm talking about, then they're not going to want to work with me. And that's just reactive and fear-based. What I, uh, what, how I want to approach it is more of um, proactive and based on the person's needs, what they, what, what's meaningful support to them. Um, because it's all about them and helping them. So this other piece of purpose is taking like a week, just meeting once a day for that week for half an hour and doing different activities to really get focused on what's your purpose? What's your why? Because you can have a vision of where you want to go next, but if you don't have your understanding of what your, you know, your bigger kind of vision for your life and your purpose pulling you forward is going to be a lot harder. It's going to be more of digging in your heels versus like, if you know your bigger why, then you can be moving forward with a lot more ease. And so that's a focused time to be able to help people really get clear on that um, and uncover it because our, our purpose is in us. It's just like allowing it to come out. And we can tell purpose means a lot to you because you have a lot of artwork behind you that talks about purpose. So <laughs> yeah. we know that means a lot. Um, you also have on there the Create and Collaborate, which is actually a group workshop, which I think is really neat to be able to come together and collaborate with other people who maybe aren't a part of your organization or a part of your team. Maybe you could do them internally in organizations, but it's also nice to come together with people that 
you know, are in the same are in the same space, so to speak, but are in different companies to say, how can we use this to create more continuous improvement? <laughs> you know, I like working with groups and this creating and uh, collaborating is a great way to help people with their own individual work, because in these spaces, we explore purpose and we talk about that. And then when you hear somebody else talking about theirs, not that you're like, oh, I need to copy theirs, but you can get inspired in a way that they're thinking about it to like, oh, I need to reflect and think about this or, oh man, that gives me a good idea about this. So it's a great way. And, and there's something about that group space where you get the energy um, that you feel from someone else. I'm a part of a couple different communities and we will have these meetings every week. And there's so much that comes out of it that I learned from other people in those spaces. And I think that that's such a powerful thing that we should be harnessing more of um, in our growth and development. And so this gives folks an opportunity to do that if it's like a small team or you know, if there are different folks in different industries maybe that want to come together, then we can do that and we can learn from each other. Well, that's fun. I cannot wait for you to be offering some of those. And I hope something you have is in the people initiative for HR for you, Inc., because we need <laughs> you in that initiative if you're not already. Um, so I like to end every episode um, with my Maya Angelou uh, quote. And Maya Angelou, my favorite poet of all time, as people have probably heard me say, um, she has this quote that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think we've touched a lot on that in the value piece, but I would love to hear an example for you where that was true. Mm. You know, it's amazing the timing of our conversation today and one that I had this morning with a gentleman who is a, a lean leader, a consultant who's actually wanting to do, he's got his idea for this other kind of lean project that he wants to do, um, but he's kind of like put it off, procrastinated, had trouble getting clear, taking steps forward. He's successful, has all the work he can take in terms of consulting, but this is like his baby, the thing that he really wants to do. And so we started talking about um, his why, all right, what's what's driving him? And he, I had known from previous conversation, his family was important and, and being there. And we started talking about being present. And he mentioned that he, this is a recently, his 12-year-old son had a concert and he was driving home four hours to get to this concert. And he's like, should I go home? Should I go to this concert? And he's like, okay, I'm going to go and catch the last 10 minutes of the concert. And he went to the concert and his 12-year-old son sees him coming in and he starts pointing at him. He goes, dad. And he's like, you could see him in our conversation. He was just tearing up. And he's like, I've never had that experience before. Uh, you know, so thank you for that. Like I've talked to coaches before and we've never gotten to this point about my why. And being able to see that in him, man, that makes it all, all worth it because that's what it's all about. People he'll remember that. Like he remembers that moment that he had with his son. And then now the moment that we shared with him sharing about that experience, it was just, you know, just powerful. It is powerful. And even the, the example that you gave about when you were late, when you were let go from target, right. And that person that, that cared so deeply for you because you cared so deeply for them. Right. I mean, that feeling of like, wow, like I made an impact is like more than you could even like you, that you could even ask for, right? Like we try to have that impact and we don't even realize that every day we're making that impact on people that we may never meet or may never realize we had an impact on. And it it comes back to those essential elements we talked about earlier and, and how it takes that bravery, showing up as a coach or as a HR leader, whoever you are, showing up with bravery, doing it with intentionality and knowing that it takes time. I mean, those those relationships take you know, years. Now, granted with this, this gentleman that I talked with, we had, we've had, this was our second or third like conversation. Um, and sometimes though that connection happens, right. Can happen quickly, but there's intentionality and there's presence as well. So um, that's just so, so important. And if you're seeing other people and you're seeing the value, it's going to come through and people are going to feel valued. 100%. So where can people find you, Sam? What would you recommend for them looking for you? Well, of course, LinkedIn. That's the streets that I love to roam on a <laughs> daily basis, probably far too much. 
um, and um, illuminatecoach.com. You can check out uh, all the things. I got videos there. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn DM is a great way to go. I'm, I, I love to have conversations. That's like my favorite is like having conversations, finding out what's going on for you, where you want to go, where are you at? What's kind of the things that are getting in your way right now? I just love having those conversations. Um, being like, I think on LinkedIn, we can get stuck in the 2D world. And my idea and my hope is that we can make it more three-dimensional by having those personal conversations. I love voice notes. I love Loom videos. Um, those are those are my jam. It really adds another dimension because we can see a profile picture. You can see like somebody's post even that might be like really compelling. But when you have a conversation with somebody, a personal conversation one-on-one, there's a whole different element. So shoot me a DM. I'd love to love to have that. And Sam's going to ask you, what's bugging you? So that you can <laughs> just be prepared. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What's bugging you, Elisa? <laughs> oh, that's a big list. But we're that's, not that's another Hot Holler podcast. <laughs> we're, let's, um, we'll start a whole podcast called What's Bugging You? Let's do that. That would be great. I mean, I think people would love that concept. And then mm. you can help them break through that barrier. Um, there we go. So it was excellent to have you on the show, Sam. Um, I'm going to drop all the links for the things we talked about, all the resources we talked about and all your website stuff right in the show notes for people. Um, but it was a pleasure as always. You are a fantastic human being and your energy is super contagious. So thank you. Oh, I would say the same thing. It's always a joy to have a conversation because I know I'm uh, I'm going to have fun at the very minimum fun and then having meaningful conversation that can hopefully help provide some hope and light to other people. Uh, it's just a joy to be in the space. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. And as I always say, lead with empathy, act with kindness. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to All People Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. The work doesn't end here. If you want to keep the conversation going, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or visit my website, apeoplepartnerllc.com. Lead with empathy and act with kindness. Have a great day.